Welcome, this is Leading with Spirit, the show that gives you an in-depth look at topics like what it takes to navigate your spiritual journey, how to heal yourself and grow your spiritual gifts, and balanced practices to expand your business and your spiritual leadership. I'm your host, Spirit Bird, shamanic teacher, healer, and author, here to guide you on your journey to becoming your most potent spiritual leader. Hello and welcome back. I'm Spirit Bird, and let's call this part two of what even is shamanism? (laughs) I wanted to spend some time with you today to share an inside look of what this practice actually is like in our lives. So when people ask, what is it? It's hard to describe. And again, I shared, if you missed it on uh, the last episode of what even is shamanism, I shared some of the bullet points of what this practice is and that often it's connecting with the spirit realms for the purpose of healing and wholeness, right? Um, But it's usually hard to describe what that actually means or looks like in our lives because um, it's such an experience. It's something that can't really be described in linear form. And for all people that are on a shamanic path, whether you're doing it for yourself and it's just part of your life and your own healing, or you're actually offering your work as a guide to others, um, you'll always be in training. (laughs) And so even if you're not meaning to train formally, life will still teach you in this way. So all shamans in training will be working on their sense of intuition, their sense and connection with spirit guides, their sense and understanding of cycles and their sense of timing and location. And it's truly magical when it all comes together. And so people will ask, um, how do you do it? (laughs) Um, And this is where we don't really learn this part from books or how to's, you know, we can kind of train our intuition or we can learn some things about guides or like read some information about the wheel Um, But actually bringing it all together is the art form that is shamanic healing. And we really learn it from working with their spirit guides and also from being around other shamans and teachers and being part of their experience, being on the receiving end of what it's like to be able to weave all of these things together. And that's how we learn to do it ourselves and share it with others. So sometimes it's really obvious And other times it's quite subtle as far as where the intuition comes in, um, how the spirit guides are coming in and in what form. And even sometimes the timing and the completion of the cycle can be really, really subtle. Sometimes it's really big and it's clear that we've just made that cycle. So just for an illustration of what this can look like in uh, real life, um, I wanted to share a couple stories with you. So the first one is, uh, actually when I really first began my formal training, um, with in shamanic healing and, um, outside of the training, I was also courting a grad school program. So I was debating between, I think a master's in a divinity program at, um, a school in Colorado at Naropa. And I was debating between transformational leadership at California Institute of Integral Studies, Um, And so with this decision, I was playing both with, you know, the logic and the mind and also with the intuition. And so, you know, the logic part was, uh, well, there's more, there's better like job opportunities with a degree in leadership than there is in divinity. 
Um, and I had also gone out to the area and, uh, in Colorado. And while I really enjoyed it, um, it didn't move me like I thought it was going to. And when I came back and sat down, um, the other piece that I played with was with my intuition. And I asked myself, you know, what feels right? What makes me most excited? And when I examined the two, the CIS in California was what excited me the most. Plus, then after that, it had the benefit of seeming like a more practical degree. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I thought that decision was about the college and the career choice I was making. But I realized now looking back, it was actually about bringing me to the land. So uh, we met in Pacifica, uh, outside of the Bay Area, twice a year. And it's there that I really got to experience flow and see it in action. Um, it's there I got taught directly what it's like to ask questions and listen and be guided by life. Um, and got taught about the relationship between my intuition and connection to earth. And in that particular place, I also received a lot of teaching about wind and water. So even though I was busy with the school functions and classes and, you know, workshops and meeting new people and all the fun things, um, the hills, the cliffs there that are on the Pacific ocean just really called to my heart, you know? And so I spent a lot of time, as much time as I could, um, going for walks out there, you know, trying to make sure I wasn't escaping, avoiding being with people, but also listening to when it felt like it was a good time to go. And um, I remember going out, it might've been one of my first walks. And so I'm walking out on the cliffs and I remember I kind of got to the top of this rock and I saw a figure up on the top of the hill and it, it startled me at first. And I thought, oh, was that somebody, wait, is that somebody meditating up there? Um, so then I started to be a little careful and conscious. So I softened my walk and, you know, kind of pulled my energy in to try to not be disruptive. And as I got closer, I was like, wait, is that a pelican? And then when I got really close, it turns out it was a hawk sitting up there. And so when I saw it was a hawk, I kind of crouched down and, you know, I just sat with it for a while. I think I might've sang for a little bit. And um, again, this is where I started to bring in or start to understand the teachings from the wind and the breeze was blowing in my face. I felt like I was getting this download and, um, you know, sang a little bit. And then eventually the hawk flew away. So it felt really special to be, I mean, it was within like six feet of this hawk and it felt really special to me to have that experience. So then the next day I decided to go out for a walk. I can feel, I can feel that the Hills have something for me that day. Um, and so that's kind of the intuition part here, right? So the intuition's coming in and saying, uh, the Hills have something for you today. So I started on my walk with the intention to find that hawk again. That was my goal actually to like find the hawk for another teaching. And so I started to take a walk. I'm walking for quite a while and, you know, I don't see it. And, um, so I finally, after kind of holding that intention and not seeing it, I finally let it go. It's like, it's all right. Stop looking for the hawk. It's fine. We can do something else out here. And sure enough, as soon as I let go of needing to see the hawk, um, that's when it happened. And I saw it swoop in from up high and kind of come down low and it actually like dropped and picked up a mouse or a rodent or something. And that's when I received my second teaching from the hawk and I saw it 
really come in so swiftly. And then just like, it was almost like it froze, you know, it hovered so still and quiet before it dropped down at the exact time to catch its prey. And I realized it was teaching me about speed and timing. So after I saw that, I then kind of paused and felt and was like, you know, there's trails everywhere. Which way should I go now? And so I scanned and felt called to this other little bluff. There was like a rock up on this other little bluff. And so I walked up there and I remember just kind of taking in the scenery and seeing the fog kind of closed in around the cliffs. And I remember kind of noticing how, you know, this was like a teaching from the fog and the hills and the water. And I remember noticing how the fog sort of contains this massive energy of these cliffs. And while that seems like it serves a purpose, um, I also got kind of sad because it's like also in a way it makes the majesty of these cliffs unseen. It actually covers them, right? And it's right when I asked that question uh, to myself, I turned it around on myself. Like, am I doing this? Am I keeping you know, myself unseen by keeping a fog around me in questions and worrying and debating the mind, you know, that creates this fog of confusion or lack of clarity. Is this actually something I'm doing to keep myself from being seen to hide? Right. And right. When I asked that question, a whale jumped out from the water. And so I didn't know really what whale meant at the time. Um, but, uh, it felt like an affirmation. So I sat there until it felt like it was time to go. And same thing here, just sitting with the awareness and processing that piece of information. Um, And then when it was time to go, it felt clear in my body. It was like, okay, we're done here. It's time to move. (laughs) Again, had just gotten this download and teaching about timing. So I walked down and ended up on the main path. And as I was walking down there, Um, there was a couple that was just a little bit ahead of me and actually had this golden retriever. And so the dog, you know, golden retrievers was so happy and there's a new person behind it. And so it kept like turning around and kind of smiling and looking at me and it kept doing it so much that the couple finally stopped as I was getting closer. And, um, you know, the dog started wagging his tail and I was like, okay, I'll say hello. (laughs) Um, and there I was really freshly, you know, like new and freshly in tune And so I chatted with them for a moment um, and it turns out their daughter who was around my age had just, just left for college. Um, And (laughs) the story would be better if I could remember the details, to be honest, I can't recall exactly what we said, but I remember having that conversation because they were just sort of processing and dealing with their daughter being away and learning to trust. And I think I had shared something from my perspective of you know, being basically their daughter in this case. And I remember when I said it, the mom's eyes just like filled with water. And she said, thank you so much for, for saying that, you know, that was such a gift um, for me to hear. And um, they gave me a gift too, right? All of that was a teaching about timing and moving through and doing the inner work, you know, and meeting with guides. And they gave me the gifts of seeing what it's like to walk around this cycle and complete this cycle where the medicine is delivered to somebody else. But also I received some medicine and, um, you know, what they gave me was an opportunity 
to allow what was inside me to not be trapped in this fog. And um, whales can mean a lot of things, but I, of course, had to look it up later. And I think that was one of the teachings there too. It turns out that, although again, there's lots of different kinds of whales and um, symbolism and meaning behind them. One of the places where they can be medicine is teaching you how to bring what's inside all of that big space, all of the awareness and knowing how to take what's inside and share it externally. (laughs) So such a beautiful teaching in a short period of time. So again, bringing it back to these four components, um, my sense of intuition told me something was on the hill for me that day. My sense of spirit guides and connecting with spirit guides had me meet them, had me meet the hawk and had me meet the whale and learn from them. And then the sense of cycles had me inquire about myself. Wait a second, what's going on with this fog and what's going on with me? (laughs) And then that sense of timing and location brought me into that moment to be able to give and receive medicine from this other couple. So. I'll share another example that's from the current day that's unfolding still. Um, So you may have heard me talk about how I can be a bit of a contrarian and that's some of my medicine, right? Um, But with all parts of yourself, you have both the gift side, you know, the medicine side, and if it's unconscious, then it's often the wounded side or the distorted side. Um, And It's interesting. Um, So since the beginning of the year, I started working with some goddesses and in like all of my years of working with guides, um, I've done tons of work with animal guides and human guides, extraterrestrials, um, ancestors, light people. Um, For some reason, I just never really was called to deity work. Um, And just a side note, I feel like it's important here to emphasize that there's actually not a hierarchy in the types of spirit guides, right? So an ant is actually just as powerful um, of a guide as, I don't know, um, you know, a specific goddess or a specific saint or something like that, right? <clears throat> Nonetheless, I've never really done deity work. And so this was part of the intuition that came into my awareness. And so my intuition um, started feeling called to it, started asking that question, like, wait, why is that? Is there a reason that I'm not working with them? Is it something with me? Is it something with them? Does it matter? Is it something I'm holding back to make a point that the other spirits are just as powerful? And so I started playing around with this question, right? That came from my intuition. Um, So it was like born from that place that I knew what to ask for. So then this brought me to the connection with the guides. Not too long after that, I did a journey and um, and met Freya, who came into the journey. And I was like, oh, shit, this is like a goddess. That's so interesting that she came in all of a sudden. Um, And then right after I connected with her, uh, it turns out a student in the class was also in the midst of a deep study with Freya. So we got to have an exchange about that. Um, and then I was on the phone with a new client. Um, and so I didn't know her very well. Uh, and while we we're on the call, her dog barked and I heard her say, quiet Freya. <laughs> so 
So then like a couple of days later, a client's dog is named Freya. Um, and then I got a psychic reading not too long after that, um, or Akashic records reading. And in that reading, she, uh, felt called to pull a card. We told her to pull a card and the card was Freya. Right now, granted, this is a popular goddess, so it's not shocking that she would be around. And again, this is the piece around learning how to listen to the guides and connect with them. So I did, I started dialoguing with her. Um, and I think at the time I was working with dark goddess and working with a large part of my medicine works with being in, in between realms. Um, so I've always had an affinity to psychopump work and kind of being in like gatekeeping, which is part of her medicine as well. And also I'd been inquiring into the masculine and feminine, like coming together, what that can look like in me. And she embodies that so well, right. Um, as you know, like sort of this warrior and this lover and pleasure and battle all in one. And so I started feeling her vibration and asking for her wisdom and her teachings. And she starts responding. Sometimes it's in direct information. Like it kind of seems like a spontaneous thought. This is a place where with intuition, people can doubt themselves because they're like, wait, am I just making this up? Is this just a thinking brain? But if it comes out of nowhere, there's a good chance it's intuition. (laughs) Um, And sometimes she teaches by giving you a feeling all of a sudden you'll feel what it's like to shift something in your body, right? Or maybe you'll think about her and ask a question and feel the shift in your body or she'll sort of like appear before you um, in your awareness and change your posture or make a motion to change how you feel in your body. And sometimes they'll come in with dreams or journeys or through messages from other people. So she was both teaching me about that in-between realm and also teaching me to be fierce and compassionate at the same time that actually fierce is compassion. And compassion is fierce. So more goddesses. So then not too long after this, I began to work with ISIS. Um, and I just have to laugh again, because as I'm even sharing this, I am seeing like how much of my not working with gods and goddesses, I think really was coming from a place where Um, like I was afraid that they actually did mean something that they actually were more significant. And that if you were working with them, that meant you were like more chosen. And so there's a way that I think I kind of blocked them so that I wouldn't have to face the possibility that maybe I wasn't, (laughs) you know, and, um, you know, and I, again, I want to emphasize that that's not how it works. It's not like, because you work with a cooler guide, it's somehow more powerful because all the guides have, um, you know, a way of giving you the medicine you need. So it's not about who's more powerful. It's more about what you need. So anyway, my intuition um, guided me in the initial connection with ISIS as well. So I was working with some plant medicine and I always tune in to my intuition just before so that I can, you know, locate the most potent intention to have for that journey. So I was guided to ask about accepting parts of myself that I wanted to change. You know, I've really kind of been struggling with that, struggling with like the question of like, wait, is this something I'm supposed to change? Or is this something that I'm doing to keep myself in the fog? (laughs) Um, and in that journey, um, 
it was through that question that I got to kind of locate where the knowing was versus the self-doubt, which is always a process, right? And also what ended up happening is it opened up a whole past life experience um, and a whole teaching about portals and also a teaching about ISIS. And so same thing here. After that, ISIS started to appear everywhere and started to actively teach me and um, prepare me or prepare myself um, for my next healing cycle. So that's pretty much what working with spirit guides is. Um, You know, they'll either be directing you to heal the land or to heal others, but it's also first and foremost, they're preparing the territory of your soul. Um, So you'll have the tools to navigate this next round um, of your own healing and to know what round you're on. Usually so they can clear something so you can do the work that they actually want you to do. So the goddesses were challenging me to go to the dark corners and supporting me with the deepest love, with compassion, um, you know, to hold and support me through going to those places instead of by trying to force me to look at that or demeaning me, right? And this is where that compassionate challenge comes in. Oftentimes when we try to do it as parents or as adults, We'll try to challenge somebody by pushing or demeaning or putting them down. Um, But that's not actually the way we make transformation. So let's cut to how this is coming into cycles and timing. So here I am. Um, I'm in a suburb and stepping into stereotypical middle America, building a house, wanting to make it look nice and feel nice. Um, wanting to make, you know, being called to make a medicine home and wanting to be stable and have a foundation and roots. And it looks like being conventional. Um, And it's everything I fought before. It's everything I fought before, but really it's everything that I feared. Being conventional was everything that I feared Um, Because when I was young um, and perceptive and environmentally conscious, I saw mainstream things as the cause of harm in the world, harming the earth, harming healthy communities, um, ostracizing people, telling them if they're different, they're bad. So I basically grouped everything together that represented that. And some of that's still with me today. Uh, It's not as drastic. You know, I've healed a lot of that and there's still a touch of a charge here and there. And what I know about my cycle or what cycle I'm on is it's how I keep myself separate. If I can find out where you're sort of more mainstream or conventional or newer to the work, um, it's the mechanism so that there's, you're one of them, you're the other. and that's how I keep myself safe. Right. And so when I was younger, the goal would be to sort of change their minds or, you know, help more people cross over. So there wasn't so much suffering in the world. So if I was younger and came to this place, I would probably be clawing at the walls, 
but I know what cycle I'm in. So now I'm learning to um, accept the mainstream and the conventional, not by writing it off, not by giving it an excuse, not by trying to convince myself that I'm supposed to love everybody, but by becoming it myself and loving it as myself. And so my greatest healing right now is going through that fear. And I'm learning where I'm healing the part of me that writes the story that all of that is wrong. I'm rewriting the story of typing others. And in this process, I'm learning to find the gift in my medicine and to heal that wound in myself so I can actually share my gifts instead of making a prison for myself in my wounds. And that brings me to timing and location. So here I am today in this property that my partner and I are in the process of renovating. Um, And we're both learning to find our own individual balance um, with uh, ourself individually and as a couple and between the balance of cultivating and cutting off between wildness and function and with each other. Um, and I'm thankful for all of the goddesses and the spirit guides and animals and human guides um, who have been preparing me to let this part of my separateness go. And I just had to smile when I arrived here and started to get a sense for the land. And this particular property that feels like my home already, right? Um, Even though it kind of doesn't make sense sometimes. Like, why am I here? But I know why I'm here. And so I've been listening to the house, listening to what it wants. What does it want and what it wants to be? Listening to the land and what the land wants to be and give and become. And letting this place whisper its dreams to me. And maybe whispering some of my own dreams back. Again, knowing that I'm here to heal this part of me. And my inquiry is where can I show up in the community with less charge and judgment? So the community can as well. Um, Because where I can do that, where I can heal that in myself, um, the community will also heal. And so instead of making it about how they're bad and they're the wrongdoers, I can actually look at where am I holding the story about who they are and where can I let that go so I can actually see the possibility here instead of holding down the walls. And as I do this, I do believe the community will grow and we'll heal the land here. And it's mostly not gonna be conscious for the community, right? Um, The community isn't gonna come to me and say, oh, thank you Spirit Bird for healing us Uh, because it's a collective effort. It's our individual jobs. This is part of the call to explore the shamanic life. 
And so again, the intuition, bringing it back to the beginning, the intuition had me start asking about um, deities, which brought me into direct connection with spirit guides, Freya and Isis. And then I began listening to their teachings and communicating with them. They helped prepare the ground for me to step into the new cycle, to know what I'm working on and to have the tools that I need to move through it. And of course, the timing is being here right now, doing it. And just one last sweet note. So again, I know that Isis and Freya are pretty common goddesses. So it's not unusual to see their symbols around or other people to like them. But uh, I recently started, as I've been landing here, I'm starting to reach out to community and met with somebody new um, who I freaking love. And you're listening to this. I love you already, woman. (laughs) But um, it was beautiful. And she um, shared part of her property with us. And first thing that we did when we walked up were these two beautiful um, pine trees. And she said, oh, this is Freya and this is Isis. (laughs) And that's timing. Thanks for joining me today. Have you been hearing the call to expand your spiritual gifts and step into your next level of conscious leadership? If you're a coach, healer, or a spiritual leader, you can learn more about Shaman School and growing your spiritual business on our website, HoltonHealingArts.com, or send me a DM at Holton Healing Arts. Welcome to today's member query episode, where we explore questions about spiritual paths, intuitive gifts, growing a spiritual business, and shamanism. Do you have a question for us? Send us a DM at Holton Healing Arts. Another question from one of our Instagram followers. The question is, do I have to be indigenous to be a shaman? And the answer to that is, it depends. So overall, the bigger picture answer is, No, you don't have to be indigenous. Um, This practice comes from um, human nature. This is part of being human. And um, the roots of shamanism are in many different um, cultures all across the globe. Now, that being said, there are also lineages within certain tribes and cultures. So just like there are different sects within Christianity that have different beliefs and maybe even different rules about what is allowed and not allowed, what's okay and not okay, and how to do certain things, this is also true within different human cultures. So while there might be a fundamental and foundational piece that connects Um, shamanistic cultures across the globe within each of those cultures and even within different lineages of those cultures, there's going to be different opinions and beliefs about what you can and can't do, who's allowed to do what, what the rules are, what the practices are. So remembering that actually what's most important is that you're actually clear for yourself um, why you're being called to this work and um, what the purpose of you offering this work is. And also um, just keeping in mind that the way shamanism shows up today is going to be different than it showed up 2000 years ago, just as almost everything else in our life is different than it was 2000 years ago. While we can and should have respect for different traditions and cultures and beliefs, just because it's showing up differently doesn't mean that it's inherently wrong. 
So make sure that you remember that it's okay for us to have different opinions and that that doesn't make somebody else wrong who disagrees with you. And likewise, if somebody disagrees, if you disagree with somebody else, that also doesn't make them wrong. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Leading with Spirit. If you did, please share the link for this episode with your biggest takeaway, tagging me at Holton Healing Arts. It would also support me if you subscribed and left a rating and review of the show so we can support more people living their highest purpose. Until next time, journey on.